Kyle Thompson. And I'm Fraser. And you're listening to General Intellect Unit. And as you can tell, we're joined by a guest again, a returning guest, uh, Fraser Simons. And um, this time we are reading uh, a bit of fiction again. Uh, we're reading The Player of Games by Ian M. Banks. Um, pretty fun little book, you know. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna set your hair on fire, but um, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, what's what's y'all's take? Uh, yeah, I. I been a while since I first read this book. Uh, I read through the culture series in order mm-hmm. um, up until I think accession and then I had some life issues where I had to drop off of it. But um, yeah, this is one of the better books in the series I think. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think as Fraser can attest, it's certainly better than the first book. I guess we can all we can all agree to that. I think. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't really get that much out of reading this this series in order. Like there are callbacks, but it's it's really like. It's it's the kind of like lore hunting stuff that you find on like wiki pages and, and that that kind of just like very buried in the text sort of like uh, like sly references more than any kind of like really meaningful continuity because a lot of these books are s- separated by enormous swaths of time um, and, and like yeah you see the culture at different parts or different periods, um, in the, in these different books. Uh, but the player of games itself, um, yeah, I think it, it is, it is very kind of, or is very much like a, a novice effort, I guess I would say. Like it is, it is definitely not banks just starting out. He's not a complete beginner. Uh, but, it's also like much more straightforward than most of the books in this series. Like he, it doesn't feel like he's really gotten into a lot of like authorial writerly, like, you know, um, elaboration and experimentation, uh, in the way that he goes on to in the next book, uh, use of weapons, which is very like, I don't know. It's very much like a novelist's like <laughs> science fiction book, like very character driven, very sort of like experimental plot structure, um, all that kind of thing, which you really get in, in the rest of the culture books. Um, he keeps experimenting with different styles, whereas, you know, player of games is just kind of a straight shot beginning to end. Right. And, uh, like, as, as I think you were saying, um, in the in the prep for this episode uh it's kind of like two things happen in each act and then you move on to the next one Mm -hmm. right it has a very um it has a pretty rigid sort of structure where each chapter has like pretty much exactly two things happening um and then on to the next one yeah it feels like he's writing his five paragraph essay before he can move on to weird experimentation <laughs> yeah I, I could kind of tell that like it's it's a when i was doing up the notes for the episode like it was pretty easy to summarize like because there is just it is quite linear and um and such but I, I think it's it's competently written um it was it was a fine read uh fraser what's what's your what's your take on it yeah i thought that it was well for like uh, Kyle alluded to, I I did read them in order, and I hated the first one. So when I <laughs> when terrible, I got to though. this one, it was like a breath of fresh air. And seeing that improvement, I think I uh, it made the book a little bit more endearing 
to me, maybe, you know, like, uh, uh, you could see how much he had progressed from the first and second, and it is a lot, um, the, the overall book is more enjoyable, there's less tropiness that is really bad, <laughs> like, um, like, killing the gays in the first one did not make an appearance in this one, as far as I remember, so that's, yep. that's good, <laughs> that's progress, um, yeah. and just in general, I think it's really interesting that a space opera, that it, as it's labeled mostly, uh, that I saw anyway, is actually, I think, as far as I classify cyberpunk, is cyberpunk, I think. And really hits on the same stuff that was happening in cyberpunk, which is a reaction to sci-fi, right? That's what the whole movement was about. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the book, I think. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I think um, I absolutely cannot recommend reading the first book in the Culture series, Uh Pretty, pretty, pretty much recommend this one though. It's uh, it's quite good. Um, before we go on though, and uh, I want to get into like uh, why we're actually reading this one, but before we do that, um, I should throw out a bit of a content warning that um, in the book, some of the theming does circle around sexual violence. Now, it's it's not actually sort of used as a plot point in the book, as far as I can remember, but the theming is there. Um, one of the empires involved is a profoundly unwoke society. So if you think you're maybe not up for that, maybe drop out now um, because we will we'll have a hard time not mentioning it um, as we go along. Having said that, it's, there isn't that much of it. So, you know, weigh that up and maybe think about dropping off. Um, but yeah, so Kyle, why, why are we reading this? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I think there's there's a there's a couple of good reasons to read this this book. So, I mean, I think a, a lot of people when they talk about the culture series, they talk about Accession as like, oh, that's the one you got to read, right? Like that that's that's the really great stuff because it's got all these these cool characters and and like there's all this interesting stuff going on and it's really exciting. But um, I feel like the player of games is like a very straightforward introduction to the culture and then what the culture is not right um so as like a world building book i think it's quite successful um and i think it's it's worthwhile reading the player of games before you read accession because you're gonna have that background of like what's going on here and, and at the same time, it's a better book than Consider Flebus, right? Like the first book. Um, so it gets the world building right. It's a pretty straightforward read. And it's a good introduction. So that, that this sort of addresses, like, why pick the player of games first, right? But as to, like, why talk about the culture, like, why talk about this series of books, um, I think it's important because... These books have been weirdly popular with, like, Silicon Valley libertarians, right? Like, you know, like, when we, we talked about the Californian ideology or when we were talking about All Watched Over by Machines of Loving Grace, um, there, was, there was that talk about, like, how Ayn Rand was so popular, Right, Ayn Rand was so popular with these people. It's like, well, that's that's not really any surprise at all, right? Like, that's that's not unusual. Um, it's a, it's all about individualism and the creative spirit and being better than other people. 
Um, but the culture is really not so simple, right? Like, there is a kind of uh, fetishism of technology in, in, in these books, for sure, right? And, like, you can see where the overlap is. But there's also a ton of social critique in these books. And these books are very much, as, as Fraser said, like responding to pre-existing sci-fi and critiquing pre-existing sci-fi and also critiquing a lot of society uh, like that, that Banks was seeing around him. Um, there is, uh, in one of the later books, there's a, there's a scenario where basically the culture goes to Earth and they see Thatcherite England, and then they are just like, these people aren't worth saving. And then they just they just they just peace out, you know. Uh, oh like like it, it it is it is it is like Banks Banks is an author who who really is driven a lot, I think, by spite and anger, and that comes through very strongly in his writing. However, for, you know, sort of <laughs> the tech libertarian elite, somehow that, like, boiling rage just never registers, right? Like, all you see is, like, hey, cool robot, right? Hey, uh, hedonism. Hey, drug use. Hey, lots of sex, right? Like, all of those, all of those sort of, like, you t like I, I guess within the context of the culture they are utopian within the context of our reality or what Silicon Valley actually represents they're definitely not utopian but but the, the, these are like appealingly sort of like hedonistic things self-indulgent things that seem to like play off of that like Californian ideology in a really strange way because these books are very critical and I wanted to kind of explore that like utter failure to read <laughs> either read the text properly or for the text to convey what it was trying to say properly because it's such a disconnect that I just felt it was worth bringing up um, yeah, yeah I mean do you think maybe I, I, it's because I mean the, the thing that brought us onto this is that like I mean Elon Musk thinks that that these are these are influential books on him and I can't figure out how like cause how how could he possibly miss this stuff right? well, you you can see it right there there's this kind of like frivolous playfulness mm -hmm. and hedonism okay, that yeah. the culture engages in that's related to technology that you can say like oh yeah that's a point of connection between these two but then you look at all of the context and what those things are supposed to actually mean and represent and he just completely misses the point <laughs> yeah. it's um, like the people who watched star trek and wanted to make the shit but didn't get what it was about yeah yes like, right? how do yes. people keep missing this <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah yeah right yeah it, no yeah. you're totally right it is very much of a piece it's very much of a piece with, uh, like, the libertarians who love Star Trek. But I would say that the culture series is so much more upfront about its politics than Star Trek is, right? And it's far more radical than Star Trek because, um, you know, Star Trek is definitely, uh, like, has a progressive vision and stuff. But it's it's very like it, it represents a very hierarchical society in Starfleet, right? That's the main focus of the show. But this this like the culture 
is is like some kind of Deleuzian fantasy, you know? Like, it, it is really trying to just, like, think this idea of a society without a state. It's right? a disorganized society and is very rhizomatic. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's a Deleuzian fantasy. It's... Yeah, yeah. And, what, like, I don't think it is... Like, I would say it's it's neither the case that it's, it's... It's not more or less successful than the dispossessed in trying to think through that sort of idea. It just... It's thinking at a very different angle than the dispossessed is. But they're aiming at similar similar problems of imagination, right? Of, like, trying to think through what does anarchy look like, right? Um, and in, in the case of, of Le Guin, it's a situation of relative poverty... In the case of the culture, it's a it's a situation of enormous abundance. Mm-hmm. So, like from that, um, yes, I mean, I, I'm kind of aware that we're we've been rabbiting about the culture a little bit, but um, for the listeners who are maybe not so aware of what this series re- is really about, maybe uh, Fraser, could you give give the listeners a bit of a rundown of the the general background of the culture? Sure. So, the culture is run by these these minds. Sometimes they're war minds, sometimes they're other minds. They're uh, extremely advanced technology that is beyond the scope of mankind. It's like they've been given birth to and then evolved into something that nobody can understand. And now they kind of govern and watch over uh, these groups of humanoids, these humans that are uh, bio-engineered people. And kind of like uh, represent what is being researched in the time that the book came out. So like cloning was a huge thing and uh, biochemical uh, processes and stuff like that. Those are central to it. But on a larger scale, it I think it is trying to present a utopic society that is like a reaction to Star Trek. Right, like, what if what if those people are on the ship, but they didn't need to drive or anything? Yeah. Right, <laughs> it's very much a uh, post scarcity, like a a very very post scarcity society. Like it is these these um this culture is possessed of truly colossal wealth. Like um they seem to be able to manipulate matter at a fundamental level, um infinite energy sources and all this kind of stuff. So it's um it is a very very utopian sort of vision. Um, and the scale, the scale is like far better than Star Trek, I think. At least explained far better than Star Trek. Yeah. Right? Like, like when Star Trek is like, hey, the Federation, you don't really get a sense of what the Federation is. Whereas the this book instead is like, yo, there's shit everywhere. Like it, we, some people in the culture could leave today and try to get to the other end of like culture space and they'd be like dead if they weren't elongated for lifespans and stuff. It's a, it's a yeah. galaxy spanning uh, civilization. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it's also importantly a civilization that is, that is entirely spacefaring. Um, like they, they have no connection to territory. Um, territory is irrelevant to them. Right. Like it, it, they are, it's like if somebody moves in, they're just going to move away. Right. Or they're going to envelop them or, you know, like that, like mobility and sort of disorganization, as you said, um, is core to who they are. Like they they are 
they're not interested in possessing things, and that includes possessing space. So they have a very different attitude towards space than, say, Starfleet does, or the Federation does, right? Like, where the Federation is very much like, oh, we have our borders, you have your borders, like, we're going to police them, we're going to demilitarize zones, all that kind of stuff. Like, the culture is like, no, like, we're not even operating on that level anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun. It's it's a really, really cool setting. Um, Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, you know, it has its problems, but it is a very evocative vision of utopia that is, like, very sort of liberated in a way that many are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it elicits interesting questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, I guess to get started on the actual text, um, it's divided into four chapters. I mean, it's bafflingly, like, there are chapters there, but they're not actually numbered. I think these are, like, four parts. Um, the uh, first of which is part one, Culture Plate. And we get this this opening bit that's like seems to be uh, written from a narrator's perspective. Or not a narrator, but just like a sort of interjector. Some, a voice that starts off each section. Um, yeah, like ostensibly they're the narrator, but like they don't really write in a personal voice for most of the text. Yeah. It's just like kind of framed that they're writing this. Yeah, and, and the, to, to quote it, it goes, um, this is the story of a man who went far away from a long time just to play a game. The man is a game player called Gerga. The story starts with a battle that is not a battle and ends with a game that is not a game. Um, so yeah, a little little evocative bit to start off with. But um, uh, we're, our, our protagonist is this guy, uh, Jerno Gerga, who will just be referring to as Gerga throughout the whole thing. What a what a fucking awful name! <laughs> like it's just so hard to hard to pronounce properly. Um, well, it's kind of endearing how awful the names of of the culture yeah, these, are. These are like rough, yeah. uh, like they 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 they, uh, they do feel sufficiently alien. Um, yeah. And- and tongue-in-cheek, I think, too, right? Yeah. Like, throughout it, people are constantly mispronouncing his name. So. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's true. <laughs> um, but he's, uh, he's the titular uh, player of games, um, and in this sense, like, board games. Like, um, the, the, because the culture is a post-scarcity society, uh, a lot of people just spend a lot of time dicking around playing board games. Um, Gerga happens to be amongst the best, or probably the best, that the culture actually has. Um so he's, he's quite famous, he's well-regarded, he's also kind of a bit of an asshole as we get in these opening chapters of, uh, of setting the stage. He's, uh, he's not the most sympathetic character in the world, you know? Yeah, totally, and, like, it's, it's interesting because I think, like, the book starts where they're basically playing, like, a, like a Call of Duty-style, like, shooter game, uh, but, you know, like, way before Call of Duty existed, right? This is, like, decades and decades and decades before that. But yeah, it's it's funny because it's like they introduce him as the player of games, but the first thing he does in the book is really really suck at playing a game. <laughs> right? yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a physical game. It's a it's a sort of a stand up and walk around game. But he he's much more of a board game kind of guy. Yeah, uh, he is he's, he is very much like this kind of grognardy, like three moves ahead style. Uh, board game, very serious, intellectual, Gedanken spiel kind of player of games, right? Like he he he's he plays very specific types of games, which are these like very abstract, um, very cerebral games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like 
one of the the sort of things to understand about him as well is that like he's kind of set up as being um kind of bored with both life and games like because he 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 lives his life through games but he's just sort of generally dissatisfied with life in the culture um i think one of the ways he puts it is that it's it's all a bit too easy because there's no real risk because there's no property um there's just nothing to lose right like um the, the stakes are always simply intellectual or, or uh, the stakes are uh, about reputation. Like he, he has to, he keeps winning all of his matches and his little challenge games at, at parties and such. But like, what would happen to him if he lost? Well, he would just lose, right? Like there's, there's not, there's nothing to it, right? Like he, he has a bit of a thirst for gambling. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Is he is described as a gambler. Mm-hmm. But he has and no capacity in to the do cu- that here. Yeah, in the, in, in the culture, gambling is a meaningless concept. Like, you can do it, but nobody you don't really anything anyway. lose anything <laughs> yeah. by doing it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, like, he, he has this, like, in, like, he lives on this orbital world. Like, it's a ring world, uh, like, for, like from Halo or whatever. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing from Halo is, is ripped off from this. Uh, but, um, but like he, he lives in this chateau in the middle of the fucking like Alps, essentially, like on this this wonderful um, what essentially seems to be a continent all to himself. Um, if he lost his house, he would just move to the next continent over, you know, and just like or build yeah. a new one, right? <laughs> Any of those or options, like it, yeah. it, <laughs> or the house would like get up and, and walk away. <laughs> into a new yes. thing. <laughs> so, um, so that, that gives you a little bit of framing for that kind of stuff. But um, the the sort of one of one of his uh, his uh, buddies, who's a, a drone uh, called Chamless, um, suggests that if he wants a bit of adventure, he should get in touch with this uh, organization in quotes called Contact, um, which is the section of the culture that I mean, it really isn't an organization. It's not it's not a bureaucracy of any kind. It's just the sort of group of individuals and minds in the culture that are concerned with managing contact with other species and um, especially contact with newly discovered civilizations um, who, who who are described like specifically as barbarians <laughs> right yeah. like that says a lot about the culture right that they use that term like they're they're very smug the culture is extremely smug like they they they're like like yeah we're not the most powerful culture around like the most powerful civilization around but like we're the best <laughs> we're, we're, we're still kind of the best like we're just we're just cooler than everybody else we have all like we don't have the best technology but we got some pretty cool stuff and uh, we have a lot of fun and all you the rest of you out there are just i don't know you got your priorities wrong um, yeah, basic. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And, right. and, yeah, like, and and it's very like amorphous what the culture is, right? Like, the culture is capable of absorbing other groups into it, um, and it it doesn't have like a rigid hierarchy. So it's it's more like I don't know, kind of like an expanding franchise or something, right? Like becoming a part of the culture. Um, so yeah, so they 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 are they're very. Very self-confident, very self-assured, very smug, and, and look down on, on other people. That, um, that notion of a franchise is something I want to get back to much later, uh, closer to the end of the book. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, um, so I guess the, um, the action actually picks up with this um, a challenge match against a, um, a sort of young upstart, this kind of young student of games who's um, called All's Hap. And only really appears on screen twice. Um, but du- during the match at this at this party again in this this wonderful sort of uh, town in the middle of the the Alps on this um, 
this this incredible ring world. Um, uh, Gerga sees the opportunity for a, a very particular kind of technical victory in this game. Uh, it was what he called a full web victory. Um, but they, they can't quite get there. He's a feeling that there's a 50-50 chance they might, he, he might actually win it. Um, but during a break, he's approached by this other, this drone called Morin Skell, who's a bit of an asshole as well. <laughs> um, and uh, Skell, Morin Skell is a um, semi-decommissioned special circumstances drone, where special circumstances is a subdivision of contact. Um, basically the sort of, uh, you know, men in black, I suppose, of, of the culture. Um, they're basically the CIA. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, they're the yeah, exactly the CIA of the culture. Um, the thing is that like Morin Skell was created as for this particular purpose. However, his personality came out a bit screwy, so he was essentially defanged, where all the weapon systems in his casing were turned off and so on. Well, he, he was given the option of either re-roll his personality or have all his shit turned off and be turned loose in this um, in this society. He, he chose the latter, but... Um, so he, he's this really kind of horrible little creature that, like, just pesters everyone. Um, but the thing is, like, he still has some of the equipment and is able to... He's able to cheat, essentially, at this game. He can x-ray the, the board for Gerga and give him the answer. And Gerga is wanting to find out... The, the temptation here is that he can find out if this full web victory is actually possible. Um, he takes the he takes the deal. Uh, it turns out that it's not possible. So he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, he, still, he still wins. But I mean, not by much. And it wasn't the uh, incredible uh, flourishing victory that it was supposed to be. Um, yeah, unsatisfying. Yeah, not not great yeah, at all. Yeah, to- totally bitter after the fact. But I think it's worth camping out on Marin a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. Because Gerga's decision to keep Marin Skell around says a lot about Gerga. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They're peas in a like, pot. Yeah. Yeah, like, Marin Skell is, like, just, you know, very bitter, very angry, always tr- sort of, like, playing pranks, like... um and and like very moody, like often like storms off um, f- when he's. Been I found in, in... him to be like super sympathetic though for me because everybody has a manufactured purpose in this world, and he was essentially doing his purpose. He the way he sees it anyway, right? Like people are like, you went a little bit off the the bleeding path there and then we had to do something about it but for him he was like i was made this way i was doing what i was doing and then they like neutered me basically right yes and the thing is though that like that isn't why he's appealing to gerga at all no (laughs) there's another thing going on here (laughs) yeah like as the reader we can sympathize with marin because of that but the thing is that gerga gerga completely fails to connect with marin on that level right like he he doesn't care he just likes him because he just likes having him around because he's disruptive and makes things interesting and that's already kind of his first gamble right is just choosing to be friends with marin skell Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it uh, it backfires badly on him because um, Morin tries to blackmail him. Well, does successfully blackmail him, essentially, with the recorded conversation. Um, and the thing he wants is that Morin Skeld wants back into contact, and he wants uh, Gerga to put in a good word for him. Um, he happens to know that, you know, he, he has been in contact with Contact, and um, Contact have offered Gerga the, the possibility of going away to play a game. Um 
which is all left very vague at this moment. But so he's he's now implored to actually follow through on that and to make a condition of his uh, participation in this in this adventure be that uh, Morin Skelby restored to contact. And there's this um, it, it's at this point that Morin Skell explains this whole thing about like is is his resentment at this like essentially castration of being defanged. And um, there's a, there's a certain sense in which these are to a lesser extent Gerga is also hobbled by the society he's in like he he has this desire for uh, danger and adventure that is impossible to satisfy in this society and Morin Skell has this other also a sort of weird bloodthirst um and a desire to like have his weapon systems reactivated that is also in I think there's a, kind of a nice quote here where it's like that he's he's been turned loose in a paradise made for others um, and that, like, he would rather not live that way. He would rather actually get back to um, a, a uh, active duty sort of um, position. Yeah. Um, His purpose. Yeah, exactly, right? There's, there's a sort of a will to power here, like, that he, he wants to actually live the authentic sort of life that he wants to. Now, you can see why, from reading it, you can see why they wouldn't allow him to do that, because he's a fucking maniac, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like to give the... this guy weapons, right? Like... Yeah, like it, it's it's basically like he he went into combat and then he failed the psych eval and then you know and they were like sorry basically, um, but it does feel kind of like he's uh, like a vet or something like that, but it's not very fleshed out uh, sufficiently. It's like a, a bud of an idea and then clipped. Yeah, and like the, these kinds of characters are characters that show up a lot in these books. Like, these kind of discontents, misfits, malcontents, people who don't really fit into the culture very well. And oftentimes they do have that sort of, like, will-to-power thing about them. And it's usually the case that Banks is trying to subvert that. And I think that probably has, like, that... I don't know, it feels like, in a way... It's very much like this like this is a lot earlier, but it feels like it kind of plays off of those like 90s anti-hero characters you find in like comic books and stuff who are like the discontents, the malcontents, like I I don't fit in amongst the sheep kind of thing, right? Like And, and it's cyberpunk, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like Banks is never on board with that, right? Like yeah, he yeah. Banks is always like mmm. Nah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, even um, like you get the notion that his idea of life in the culture is like the opposite of the Fight Club quote, right? Like on a long enough timeline, everybody gets what they want and then they die. <laughs> there's no, there's no unhappy mm-hmm. ending in this one. It's basically just like you do whatever you want, and eventually, you've kind of like done everything and you're ready to go yeah i kind of um i get the impression that um for the vast majority of humans or sort of organic beings in the culture life is a pretty easy kind of hedonic kind of experience where they sort of mill yeah, about they just sort of the east they take hang some nice out drugs. get high yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also there's going to be this like fraction of a percent of weirdos and adventurists and such and that's what contact and especially special circumstances are made up of it's not that they're existing bureaucracies or institutions i mean i guess they're an institution in, in a sense but not in the formal sense. I think this is just what happens when you have 
a segment of the population that you're that you're always going to have who are just a bit strange and a bit kind of hungry for adventure they gravitate towards each other and form these little cabals that you know go on big adventures <laughs> that's what contact is <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think Contact is really representing like a similar thing to what we saw in The Dispossessed, where you have like an organization who is who is charged with dealing with the outside world, and there's always the possibility that they might become a state and actually assume like a hierarchical control over this anarchy. But it's not like they're not quite in that area right they're a little bit more disorganized than that um yeah i think it, it reads that way to us um because we, we we are intimately familiar with you know states and institutions and bureaucracies and self-perpetuating power with when, when reading the culture stuff you have to keep reminding yourself that it's it's not that it is this weird rhizomatic distributed centerless kind of society where the meaning of what it is to be an institution is just sort of different in a in a strange way that's hard to kind of hard to put your finger on you know yeah but i i think that nevertheless like the the idea of contact is still grappling with those problems uh-huh, sure right sure. like we're we're going to see this later in the book i think when it comes to the questions of how gurga deals with the game he has to play um, and like what contact with another culture does to him. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think contact is like these weirder ones because by virtue of having contact with other people, they are not like other culture people and they, they'll never be right. And then, and, and, and like the culture is extremely self-satisfied. So like, if you're not a weirdo, you're probably not that interested in contact with other cultures. <laughs> right. And I, I thought that was the insinuation of... Um, it kind of felt like games in general was not a uh, thing in this society. Like, it was introduced after, and it's that's the thing that's sort of an external force that has formed Gerga into not being like everybody else and why he has to go and leave and do all these different things and stuff. Right. Like it's a virus that's like infected him with Mm -hmm. like this, this possibility of feeling something new through risk that nobody else knows about or can uh, even appreciate like him. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that like play play is definitely a characteristic of the culture like it is a very playful society uh but the sorts of like very thinky strategic games that yeah that yeah these competitive games like and it even says like in the text at some point that like the culture is disdainful of fame Right. And it's like it kind of like crops up around these um, around these competitive games because like you can prove your worth, you become famous, all that kind of thing. But like it's very different from some say something like down and out in the Magic Kingdom. Right. Where like everybody is obsessed with fame. Like the culture isn't like that. Um, And a lot of these games, it does say, are certainly like taken from other cultures. Like they've been they've been maybe like found by contact and brought into the culture. Um, it doesn't really say very much about games that are developed within the culture itself. Yeah, that's why I always felt like it was a foreign concept and 
like the this omnipresence was like I could imagine just from my own projection of what I wanted from the text probably, but uh, I could imagine this omnipresence being like, oh, like the way that Gerga was created is perfect for being one of us if we introduce a game to him and then later we can do all this other shit and right. the result is this, right? But it's it's definitely dependent on the reading of what you want. Uh, well, the reading of the book, which is dependent on what you want from the text. Yeah, but, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, Gerga takes the deal with Contact um, and is briefed by a, by a drone, a Contact drone that comes to talk to him in his house and uh, introduces him to what the, what the whole point of this is. It's a, it's a rather interesting game that they found that he, they think he might be interested in. Um, and so he's shown this, this map of, like, the Empire of Azad, which is in a, uh, a cloud just outside the main galaxy. And the trick is that it's both an empire and a game, in that there, there is a game called Azad that is woven into the fabric of this society. And the winner of the game becomes the emperor. Um, pretty weird, <laughs> you know? Uh, pretty yes. cool, though. I was mm. super into that. I was like, ooh, this is neato. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is a very good conceit. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that the that the, the drone points out is that in the language of these people, Azad simply means machine or system, um, or 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 organism, or you know, a lot of these various concepts are tied up in this sort of thing. So, right from the start, we're we're getting this kind of impression of Azad as an empire and a game and a self replicating system and all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it feels very influenced by Deleuze. Yeah, yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah, I mean, because I, I'm reading a lot of Deleuze on the side. Um, it just like it's it was but, hard to yeah, miss the um, the, uh, the implications. I, I, I'm not, and it's still still, it's still obvious. To yeah, be riffing <laughs> riffing off of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, the other quirk of this uh, this empire is that um, they have three sexes. With, so male, female, and then a middle sex, which uh, is the dominant one, um, which I think they're re- referred apex. to as apex or apices. Yeah. Um, it's a, as, as I mentioned at the start, it is a profoundly unwoke society. <laughs> it has this, uh, I mean, a, a gender, a, a sexual hierarchy that's worse than our own <laughs> by, by quite a long stretch, you know. Um, there's an extra layer to it. But in, in general, this is a scathing, horrible, spiteful critique of... Um, well, not horrible, because it's actually correct. A critique of our own, <laughs> our own society. This is a hyper-capitalist empire, um, violent, hierarchical, based essentially on domination and competition. It's also, like, genocidal. Um, yeah, all the, all the same phobias, like homosexuality like every, everything that is like alt-right is just they're like yeah that's yeah. that good shit yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the alt-right stuff on intramuscular steroids which is they're, ironic they're, because... they're even gamers so yeah you know, yeah why? exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this one wide open oh yeah, yeah. and that, that's even maybe some more context too is everybody in the culture can change their sex whenever they feel yeah. like as well yeah. so yes. it's even more of a foreign culture for Gurga, who's just like oh y'all don't just change yeah so the the so. The, the culture has uh you know as you said like uh, the ability to change sex at will they have um implanted drug glands that um that emit psychoactive drugs at will um azad doesn't have any of those things um it's a in general a more primitive society but still like it's spacefaring and so on um 
the uh, yeah they they like they kind of have used um biotechnology to engineer like this horrible uniformity mm-hmm. it's eugenics among, amongst those <laughs> yeah definitely yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 it's more eugenics and genocide than it is any kind of sophisticated yeah. biotechnology <laughs> certainly um and the, the what, what i found fun was the the initial reveal of the the game boards because the, the game of azad is played on multiple large boards the size of tennis courts and also many sub games like card games off to the side it's a it's a seriously complex and dynamic game which which is sort of like the way the drone explains it is that it sort of mirrors the life of the empire of azad that like being profit the the, re, the kind of reason it's used as um a way to select the emperor or to to select various stations in the bureaucracy is because like expertise at azad is expertise at life in that empire um it, yeah. it, it's all mirrored right well and expertise in so far as being able to manipulate the outcome that you want yeah and yeah it's it's very much a situation of the map is the territory right like they're they're, they're just one to one um yeah the only thing you're really understanding is the function of the various pieces insofar as the ultimate goal. Yeah. But that's it. Um, so th- there's an interesting bit here then of like, well, why? because in- information is generally o- uh, open in the culture, like why hasn't Gerga hold- heard of this before? Um, contact are keeping it secret, which, you know, again, is a bit of a hmm, conspiratorial sort of thing. <laughs> the reason, though, is that if this was widely known, the public outcry in the culture to this barbaric society would be so loud that they would essentially be forced to go in as an occupying force to, like, forcibly assimilate them, which is contrary to the morals of the culture. Like, that's that's not a role they ever relish. Like, that's not, not something they ever want to do. Um, yeah, that is the, the, the important point here, is that they're like, we would be forced to do that, and that would be a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. Extremely. Right? Like, that's not going to lead to anything good for us or for them. Right? And, and like, you know, so contrast that to, like, liberal humanitarianism and internationalism, right? Like, where it's like, oh, these people are so barbarous. Obviously, we need to invade the country to make them better. Right? Like, it's very much, like, anti-interventionist. Even though, even though contact, even though special circumstances are always involved with these foreign societies, and they definitely do not follow the prime directive, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, they're very cautious. They're very, very cautious. They, 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 they've sat on this for like 70 years, right? 70 years, yeah. They also say that like this, that caution was learned. Uh, over time that like they they were more cavalier before and now they're a lot more cautious with this stuff later on um but the the offer here is that um they want gerga to go and participate in the game um which i think is is held every every couple of years it's like a big tournament sort of thing and is is part of the cycle of that society to, to participate and to just see if he can learn it uh see if it's possible for their best player to participate and maybe even win i don't know a low level clerical position or something just to kind of prove it out crucially they've been lying to the empire as well um the empire is not aware of the extent of the culture they they, they don't know that they're a galaxy spanning um society they think they're just another relatively small but like slightly more advanced society that is um local to their little cloud 
Um, they don't know about the gene fixing. They don't know about the ability to change sex at will and a couple of other little things. So there's, there's games being played here, right? <laughs> yeah. The, so many the, games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, is is a big psyop. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they build it as kind of like an intelligence gathering mission for both. Uh, like they know that the empire is going to learn some shit because Gurga's going to be there and that'll just telegraph certain things about the culture anyway. And then also, Hey, like while you're here, you can play your game and our little drone's going to learn some shit. Yeah. And it, 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 it speaks to the sort of extravagance of the culture that Gurga is like, yeah, this makes sense. This pans out, <laughs> right? Like this well, tracks like naive, yes. right? Like he's not, he's not the brightest guy. Well, to... Yeah. But also like, I think it does speak to just how rich the culture is that they can send somebody to another galaxy to play <laughs> yeah. a game to see if they could do it. Uh-huh. Right. And it's like, a five year like, journey, right? Like there and back. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, and they have to, he has to take a big ship and it's, it's 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 yeah exactly it is not a, not a cheap operation at all he's he's not staying at a holiday inn you know like it, it's, it's not like he's getting the bus there um uh but anyway he he, t- he takes up the offer and heads off um we get into part two imperium where uh, the narrator quote narrator interjects again with um a little note about pronouns uh which i thought was quite interesting that for the for this empire again with their three sexes uh, male will be referred to as male, female to female, and then in whatever language this is being translated into, you know, wink, um, we will use the pronoun appropriate to the dominant sex in that language's main society. So the the middle sex in this co- in this society is referred to as he him. Um, so there there are two sets of he hims and one you know she her um, in the way this is uh, this is all sort of laid out. Um, yeah, another kind of thing that was like gesturing at progressiveness but like didn't quite you know do the the hop skip and then yeah it doesn't fail at the jump kind of thing, doesn't right? quite stick the landing but um it's a, it's a it's a passable attempt yeah certainly definitely um, yeah the intent the intent in both books i would say is quite good this one much better and less ham-fisted but still i mean it was it published in 88 though so i mean props yeah yeah and um, yeah like I, I feel like it is um yeah, it's it's not definitely not where like gender studies is now. That's for sure. Uh, but like at a time when political correctness was under such heavy attack, um, like as a concept, like the idea of engineering an entire language to um, model a progressive ideal of what gender is. Um, was probably pretty radical. Yeah, and, um, and that it's reflecting the specific society, right? Like, I think it's the first taste of, like, Gurkha has to learn the language, and he's kind of like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is wild stuff, right? Yeah. Um, because obviously the uh, the culture speaks a, a language called Marain, which is a, a synthetic language that was invented by the minds to... Um, to uh, allow for a certain fluidity of thought um, that it, that doesn't translate well into the the empire's language, but I think that the, the the sort of not the knowing wink here is that like the book is ostensibly being translated from Marine into English, and it's the it's the thing of like we we'll use whatever pronouns reflect power in in your local language. So it's um, the trick is that the 
what you would expect to be the neutral maybe pronouns for the middle sex is actually referred to as he him um yeah um so i mean the journey there isn't particularly eventful he's paired up with this um drone called fleur and imsaho fleur imsaho i fucking hate these names it's it's so bad um and spends most of the time studying um to try and get a grip on this game and sucks oh yeah he's fucking <laughs> at least initially yeah there's like yeah. living pieces or something there's like these bioorganic fucking engineered pieces that are like carrots that like throb or whatever when you touch them um and he's like yeah that was he's like taking them to bed to like cuddle them to see try and figure out what they do or some shit like that <laughs> yeah there there was some stuff where i was like okay so uh like i think to me that was just banks signaling that the game is more technological than what we have and can perceive now like it has biochemical reactions to people touching them and stuff like and smells and all that kind of stuff so it was definitely weird though when he took it to bed Pretty strange. <laughs> um, it, it, it is an incredibly complex game that's the, the message that's being given here is that it is it is so so complex now i i, I think I, I had initially thought before reading this that the trick that this would turn on would be that the the game is so complex that it is actually in fact the market you know what i mean like that i i thought that would have been a cool thing but um reflecting on it probably very hard to actually represent in in written form um but in lieu of that uh we just have this like baffling set of rules that are dynamic the the pieces seem to be able to react to each other and um uh, accumulate properties in sort of bizarre ways. Um, yeah, it's it's very strange, and he, he struggles with this, right? Like it's 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 yeah. pretty 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 bad. Um, and it's his life for like five years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine <laughs> he yeah. does nothing else. He doesn't. He stops like emailing or you know, yeah. He, but... he loses contact with his buddies and so on. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's like two years to get there. Was the thing. Yeah, something it's, it's like one that. Two and a half, thing. something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah two yeah. years there, one year on the planet, two years back, five yeah. years total, I think. Something rough. like that. Right? <laughs> very rough. Yeah. Um, very rough. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think it the game sort of. It's not really a direct analogy to the market, but it's, it's more sort of like representing the ways in which personal decisions in a capitalist system are like structurally determined to be oppressive right like like it's so it, it's it's like you know it's about um misogyny it's about hierarchy it's a, it's about like all number of different things right like um and and like the market kind of like factors into that but it's just sort of this general idea of a structural system of oppression that that is is fairly capitalist flavored you'd have to at least say yeah and and like and just like um what should we call it like the reaction that you should have to it is is bad because these people are treating their lives like literally a game, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's the theme that develops um, throughout the whole thing, right? That like there's this um, the, the the logic of the empire is very much mirrored in its game, right? Like, and the the callousness with which people are treated in the empire is mirrored in the callousness with which the players treat the pieces. Yeah, and look at look at what has happened since 88 with our society like like that is where we've gone right like 
everybody treats themselves and their relationships to other people instrumentally in terms of, of game advancement, right? Like, and, and, yep, that's, that's the critique. <laughs> yeah, it's right in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it begins. The, the critique is, def- is mirrored as well in the interactions with the, the people of this empire. So, like, on, on arrival, we, we're, it's sort of like, um, the, the, the impression you get of the, like, flyover to the landing of the spaceport is, like, it's flying over Detroit or whatever. It's just this, like, kind of big city, but it's all kind of sort of horrible looking and and, um, and industrial. Um, there, there's a bit it's a bit in the, the, the flyover, and it's kind of, it's never really brought up again, but, like, um, there's a prison that's made up of, like, a maze or something, like a, a moral maze prison. And the thing is that you, you don't get a trial, you just get thrown into the middle of this maze, and escaping from the maze is uh, a test of moral fortitude or something, um, which gives you that little bit of flavor for what the fucking these people are about, right? Um, well, yeah, and it's a pretty nice like comment on the so-called correctional system, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, I mean, the usual stuff: arrival, greeting, party. These like these people are like you know dressed up in very fancy uniforms. They're obsessed with formalities. Um, just generally kind of, um, they seem, they come across as very, they're, they're human, they're human, essentially, like, um, they're very slightly sort of different in appearance, but they're, they're, they are human. Um, they're, they're Star Trek human. Yeah, exactly. But they definitely come across as, um, repressed and very suspicious and very oedipalized. Um, like, I mean, the, the, the module that, um, the module is like the little shuttle that Gerga will live in, um, and serves as like his escape shuttle and, uh, also living quarters. Uh, it's bugged, like, right from the start. And, like, everything... There's always a suspicion of surveillance because uh, it's just what these folks are like, you know? Uh, I, I really liked how uh, uh, Fleur had to wear the outer shell to yeah. make it look stupid and stuff. Yeah, because... That yes. was just hilarious, right? He was just like, they make me wear this carpet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a culture drone, which means he's he's actually made of hardened light. Like, the, he's made of fields. Like, um, what what would appear visually as a sort of a ceramic is actually made of like hard light um they can't give that away to these people right they, they can't let on that they're that advanced so he has to wear this like essentially aluminium can over himself that just, well, it's, yeah. it feels like it's definitely a reference to doctor who yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he's, he's very put out. And he this, has to yeah. make a humming sound too, right? Like he's bad technology and stuff And like do that. little sparks and stuff to just make it yeah. look like he's, he's totally <laughs> fucking useless. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that, that, that is a, that is a social commentary in itself, right? Like in the way that like, you know, oppressed people have to make themselves look stupid in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Like, yeah, and not, not yeah. yeah, 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 and not not make a scene, not not cause waves, not draw the ire of people who are in power. Yeah, um, I mean the, these 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 folks get a get an eyeful of this power at like the the initial reception, you know, and everyone's like very very welcome, welcoming this this wonderful uh, guest from from beyond the stars, you know. Um, uh, the, the reception, this enormous fucking ball, this horrendous display of wealth and so on. Um, Gerga has an interesting observation here that it seems that these people are stuck in a prior age because he's been studying their history. And um, 
the way they dress and the way they conduct themselves would have been at home with, you know, what he knows of their history a thousand years prior. Um, which, you know, very much like our society, right? Like, obsessed with the, pro- yeah, the previous century. Yeah, obsessed with... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I, I enjoyed that as well. They were like, instead of being progressive, they're, they're like cherishing yeah. and glorifying all the old stuff. Yeah, just like just like when you go to uh, the palace. <laughs> yeah, like the yeah, like they are like the idea of being conservative is like bizarre and hard for him to parse, right? Like that that is that is like, well, why would you do that? Right. Because the culture is just constantly changing. Um, And the culture relishes having uh, like a variety of architectural styles and a variety of art styles and fashion that changes every year. And that's it's a mark of pride. Right. Like getting stuck like this in a nostalgia trap, which just seems very strange to him. And it, it is. It is an effective trope that like Banks employs of like the stranger in a strange land. Right. Like that none of none of the world around us like that we experience under capitalism, like makes any sense to this character at first. Baffling. Yeah. Um, We do get to meet a character that sort of managed to bridge his way into this culture a little bit. Um, uh, This guy called Za, who's essentially the culture ambassador to this empire. Um, Bit of an asshole again, uh, but seems to be like really getting kind of absorbed into this stuff like um, he, he describes the empire as vicious but sexy. You know, he's, he's like, very taken with it. Which uh, is... I th- how does Gerga react to this initially? Like, he seems kind of put off, but is also, like... It's kind of undeniable that the empire, as described to him, did seem vicious but sexy, you know? Um, and that's that's kind of partially why he's here. Well, he's also been pushed into it by that fucking dickhead drone, but, like... <laughs> Um, yeah. We're starting to get the initial scene of like seeing Gerga slip towards assimilation into this uh, society. Yeah, and Zah is like, hello, my name is Consumer Culture. I have been appropriated by the system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like he's, he's show, it's showing how like the, the structural systems of oppression are, are capable of just like digesting people and making them conform, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bad shit. Um, so uh, we're on to the first, the first actual game, which is, um, you know, this, it's this, it's a tournament setup, right? Like the whole, uh, the whole city, not even just the whole city, but the whole empire is is up for this like Olympic Games sort of thing, like this this big grand tournament. But his his first game is against nine other players, so it's ten in total uh, playing on these boards. Um, uh, he. What's crucial here is that he he's doing pretty badly initially, but then he starts to do well when he can see what's happening on the board and can lie or bluff in the language of the game so there's this theme of assimilation like once once he can figure out how to think in terms of the game and it's it's language and the language of azad he uh, he actually thrashes them then he just like fucking obliterates them without critical thought though yeah involved yeah, yeah. It's like, He's oh, just I can like... do a neat thing. It's it's basically the same as what happened when he was playing the game back uh uh, in the culture, like I forget what the name of that game was, but the the one where he stricken cheated, right, or something, yeah, yeah, stricken, yeah, yeah. When he was playing stricken, like, and he had that moment of like resolving all of the 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 structure into something comprehensible. He's just he's just approaching it the same way, and not not thinking critically about what that actually implies. 
Yeah, with the callback of uh, him thinking that it's quite close to the the other barbaric game damage right from the first one <laughs> yeah 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 right yeah um but yeah i, I mean it's the, the, there isn't much of the play described like you you get this um the way the way the games are actually played it's always described from like gerga's thought process of like what what he's experiencing and what he's feeling as he's like oh oh gosh i can't really i can't really see what they're up to oh oh now it now it makes sense it's all slotting together you know this abstract model that he's manipulating in his head um which i suppose saves uh the author from having to cook up an actual set of rules right like you can just sort of uh, yeah i was personally i was like thank fuck (laughs) right i I don't want to learn this game Uh, otherwise right now on ebay there'd be people being like oh yeah it's the 1988 board game licensed from whatever right you'd just be like fuck that (laughs) yeah like uh like uh yeah i mean just just the description of it being played on like three boards and stuff it just kind of reminded me of like gloomhaven or twilight struggle or something like that like one of these gigantic board games and yeah, I'm sure someone would have the ambition to construct a Zod, but thankfully Banks didn't do the, the standard science fiction thing of detailing all the rules and stuff. I guarantee you, I guarantee you when it got uh, published and popular, some game company hit them up and be like, want to make a Zod? And he's like, you didn't read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next, uh, the next, the next scene is actually quite interesting, where he's taken out for a night on the town um, with uh, with Za to this like just shitty nightclub called uh, the Hole, <laughs> just like, fucking bizarre, um, like an underground club. Um, this is this is kind of rough, right? Like you have these like public displays of bizarre violence and kind of entertainment. You have like bruise art where people are strutting around with fucking bruises on them, like made into look like people, like to look like portraits. Um, yeah, really, really dark sort of stuff. And what's interesting is to like contrast this um, dark kind of um, recreation with the dorky board game parties that we were seeing before in the culture, right? Like You're just like lighting little lanterns and like go fly down the, the cliff face, right? Like, it, it, like yeah, it was like something out of Harvest Moon or something. It's just so innocent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very idyllic and like just sort of goofy. And then you get here and it's like, Ooh. it's distinctly not idyllic at all. Um, it is very like uh, the streets have its own way for dealing with things, right? Like it, it was very like there's neon everywhere, and there's four different subcultures in here, yeah, and it's all really bad yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's your very much sort of um, your your generic sort of cyberpunk nightclub scene, um, except for like um, Gerga gets roped into this kind of caper involving two ladies and a shitty boyfriend or whatever. Um, there's a chase, uh, you know, a gun, uh, escape, run, that kind of shit. Um, but he and the two end up in like what is just I suppose the champagne room or whatever it's sort of a back room with um, a bed and a bunch of mirrors and um, start getting intimate but then Zab bursts in smashes open one of the mirrors and finds a camera uh, recording the stuff and this is like clearly to get incriminating evidence against Skurga right like because um, he, he has been warned don't touch the ladies just you, you will be fucking executed if you if you engage in any of this kind of stuff um, and it, it also um, is in parallel with 
Western culture's uh, views about sex and being prudes and stuff like that, right? Like, if we can show the savage having sex, then nobody will care how well he does in the game yeah. because it's just a scandal. Yeah, and it, it was definitely set up in the earlier part of the book as well that, like... You know, um, Gurga is, is, as, like, most people in the culture are, like, polyamorous. Um, and uh, this is another thing where it's, like, it just doesn't really make sense to him that, like, having, like, massive scandals about violating monogamy norms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, some, somebody's after him, right? This is the thing, like, he's being set up... Um, this this is a theme that recurs like that the he he has been accepted here as a guest to play the game but the the system the administration the bureaucracy has this allergic reaction at various levels and kind of wants rid of him um i mean they they grab the tape and they run uh basically um and uh they get on with the game and uh he flattens the the people you know in in that game and goes on to the second round um and again remember that thing we mentioned before of like this like distinct tiktok kind of cadence here where in each of these chapters exactly two things happens and one of them is to do with the game that's being played and the other is to do with uh some kind of sideshow or like some something to do with like filling out the background of the the empire. It's um, it's a reassuring <laughs> predictability to the structure of the uh, chapters. <laughs> and interestingly, too, I found that uh, like as soon as he gets good, essentially, right for Gaber talk, he doesn't uh, think about the game anymore, right? Like, there's no paragraphs dedicated to like oh i gotta think this person and stuff it's just like and i win yeah that's like yeah <laughs> definitely because so, like i mean um there's, there's a thing here like there's, there's one chapter where um the main uh feature is this like assassination attempt but like the, the, the opening is what a paragraph of like oh yeah he steamrolls the guy um in in the game or whatever um the, uh, the the tabloids are after him. You know, they, they, he's a danger to the empire. It's a very much like a Daily Mail kind of thing. Like the, he's they, they're rhyming off the headlines. Uh, he's oh this uh, this, um, this this foreigner that's come here to destroy our, our society or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, coming out of the after flattening this poor guy, uh, he comes out of the the game hall and um, and gets jumped uh, like the, an assassination attempt. Um, which is you know another another thing. Like they're they're definitely trying to get rid of him. Um, Za thinks this is a like a CIA thing They're the secret police are after him um, But you know They probably won't do it again There's This is kind of where we get a bit more of the um, Whole thing of like the tension here Of like allowing this guest And yet like he is a mortal danger To the society because um, The society is already brimming With like the potential for revolution Right like all, almost nobody Likes living in the society Um they have to appease the culture or like they have to allow this formality of allowing the guy to participate and also try and get rid of him at the same time. Um, was, yeah. Yeah. Like this, the spectacle is the most important thing to keep people in check. It's like the gladiatorial games or stuff, right? Like shit's going bad down here. Let's have some games. Um, yeah. And, and like yeah. keeping, it's like observing the, the procedures and norms of Azad, the game is, is is all important in the similar way to like religious ritual right like it, it's it says that like azad basically was created like coextensively with the religion of the culture right like these these are like just like things that completely fit together and if if they broke their own rules like publicly about what 
is and is not allowed in the game. Uh, you know, kind of similar. Like, I think the way that I I kind of thought about uh, Azad in a way is like that. It's similar, sort of like the discourse about like equality of opportunity, right? Like that that like oh yeah, like we don't have equality of outcome, but we do have equality of opportunity, right? Like so, like oh everybody's got a shot. Right, like, oh, you can participate in Azad. All you have to do is wager your body. And that that means we're like progressive, right? Like, because it's not just about your assets; it's it's about your grit and determination. Yeah. Um, it's it's the American dream, I think. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, you you could you can come here and participate, and you can win a couple of games, but you'll you'll get gunned down by tier one operators outside the fucking hall, right? Like, and uh, that's um. He, he survives it though, right? Like that's the thing, um, and and comes away from it. Um. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think it's also kind of similar to the way the like the the education system works in our society, right? Where it's this 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 gauntlet you have to go through to get like certified as like you are a valid person, right? Um, like and and so it 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 because they're like willing to accept like a foreigner into their game, it shows like it legitimizes the people at the top, right? Because they're like, oh, well, anybody can participate in Azad, and the people who are just the best are the ones at the top. Yeah, you can take, you can have confidence in their empire because he has ruled over somebody else's culture as well. We're truly the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and there's a sense here that, like, Gerga is actually starting to kind of believe this stuff. Like, or, well, he's, he's getting sucked in, right? That, like... Um, and even like the way he sort of thinks about like he, he's actually starting to feel alive now. You know, he's get, he's getting that real risk and the the fear and the the, the thrill of the gamble. Um, and there's a sense that yeah, he's he's starting to actually kind of see this as a um, as a as a beautiful sort of society again again with its with its shittiness. But you know, there's that kind of like what was it vicious but sexy sort of line that he got yeah. out of his eye. He's starting well, to really fall for that. And he's like. Um... After the nightclub, he couldn't help but absorb some of their culture, and so wins easily more. And instead of thinking now, he is feeling um, instead. Yeah. And like um, as you said, like the descriptions of the gameplay become shorter and shorter, right? Because he's just starting to steamroll these these people, right? Like he's he's bringing this like a hyper intelligence for gaming, and then merging it with an actual appreciation for the society that that plays this game and then um just just flattening these poor fuckers <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah he plays to to get the rush yeah 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 he's um there's um there's a bit here of like being aware that like there's a possibility that in the next round they'll uh, pull the physical option on him uh which is um something we we forgot to mention back in the briefing part but that um one of the one of the ways the Azad Empire tries to level the playing field in quotes is um, that they can allow for uh, wagers of the body in the game, which is essentially yeah you put your genitals on the line <laughs> as a as a forfeit um, or or some other sort of uh, physical forfeit as a way of being like hey yeah like as as you said Kyle like that hey look it's it's not all about your position in society anyone can have a go. Um, Ooh, yeah, as long as you got grit and determination and the willingness to wager being raped. Um, 
it is uh, or neutered or or like I think it, it's even alluded to that it's like days of torture and stuff too. Like it could yeah. be it could yeah. be like anything the opponent names. But um, Gerga is starting to su- suspect they might pull this on him and um, starts laying emergency exit plans with the ship. Um, he gets a little sort of um, teleport beacon embedded in his tongue, a little pill that he swallows, um, and this is a thing that like. Obviously, the ship isn't allowed near the sort of home world, but it's at a holding pattern way out in the outer solar system. Um, you know, at his signal, it'll zoom in and, like, as it passes, teleport him off the planet um, if he does the right thing. So starting to get a bit of a sense of, like, trying to, like... You know, there's a sense that the net is closing, right? Like, there's there's a lot of actual physical threats against his life, and he might need to literally zap out of there at a moment's notice. Um but and this actually happens in the next game where um, I think it's that like initially there is like very limited sort of play. It's not very energetic. And then the guy just goes, oh, I must ask for a wager of the body. You know, and the, the must stands out, right? Like is like, oh, somebody's telling him to do this. Um, it's interesting here that like this wager is interesting because um, for Gerga, it would be painful Um but not catastrophic because he can they can regrow stuff in the culture. That's not the case in Azad. If this guy loses um, his genitals, he loses his position in that society entirely, and the likely outcome is suicide um, because that would just be the end of his career, the end of everything. Um, and he was like a, a minister, like a predominant member of society in some way. I can't remember the exact specifics, but he's like a he's a bigger deal, you know. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just getting to this being like an intensely misogynistic culture. Oh, it's horrible! It, this right. is a disgusting yeah, yeah. society. Like it's um, yeah, it's literally. Do you do you have the balls for this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like when gamers <laughs> yeah. always ask yeah. each other and shit. Right? Like oh, it's it's like put up or shut up culture and yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, and to kind of like to, to follow on from that, then the the next sort of uh, chapter then. He's he's take like it's it's these breaks between games like the, these games last for multiple days so like in, in the evening he's just kind of hanging around in the in the shuttle, um, he's taken out on a stroll by um, Fleur uh, M Saho the drone I'm just gonna call him the drone fuck it, um, <laughs> yeah. he's taken out you know Fair. with the thing of like oh well we'll be leaving in a couple of days you should really see some of the sights and he's like oh fine fuck it, um, but they go out but he's he's taken on a tour of just like seeing the poverty and destitution of the average neighborhood in this in the city. Um, Nasty stuff, just like random violence on the streets. Um, yeah, homeless everywhere. Just everyone sort of in in pretty horrible sort of condition. Um, real fucking shithole. Because uh, like he's he's seen so far just the kind of bougie elite sort of spheres. Um, and he's getting a real look at like what actually goes on here. I think it's interesting that like uh, the author dwells on health healthcare in particular. Like they, they go they go to a hospital and have a look around, and like all the time the drone is rhyming off stats about like uh, rates of uh, illnesses, rates of mental illnesses, um, what happens to the mentally ill in this society. Uh, you know they're they're destitute, they're left on the, out in the streets. Um, oh, it's an unusually busy night tonight because a um, carrier arrived from uh, you know a, a remote uh, war campaign and dumped off all its veterans. You know, <laughs> and they all showed up at the hospitals. Uh, just this absolute fucking grotesquerie. Um, 
And and they're like uh, like sailors coming back from the ship and uh, like yeah, there's like parallels there where they're trying to like hook up with prostitutes and and then sex and workers, then getting the shit kicked out stuff of the middle like of the road and just oh boy, nasty stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it gets worse. And also, um, and condemnation of the prison system is reiterated again as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gurga's shaken by this, but it does get worse, right? That like he's brought back to the. Um, the shuttle and shown these like encrypted TV broadcasts in this, uh, this side. He, he's been tuning into the news and looking at bullshit, but um, these are the encrypted channels for only the highest sort of ranking officials. And um, level one is sort of, you know, a, a dumb kink sort of stuff. Um, and it's like, you know, officially this would be scandalous, you know, but actually in private, you know, in the elite sort of tiers, it's like, oh, look at this thing we get to enjoy. Um, Level two is much more hardcore sort of pornography, and then level three is just outright snuff, like just like executions and just contrived violence and just absolutely miserable, horrible sort of stuff. But yeah, this shakes them pretty fucking bad, <laughs> like real bad. I think uh, I think they try to. What I got a sense of was the people watching three are enjoying the people suffering from the physical option specifically too, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That makes sense. Um, Which is like, again, like making such a, it's just such a mockery of the idea. That this is like progressive, right? That like that, Oh, we allow the physical option, but then actually it's like commodified and used as like, you know, um, snuff material yeah um but like gerga brings this back to the game then like he he just wipes out his opponent with this like hyper aggressive pitiless kind of style and um the guy's dragged off to be neutered basically and like gerga is, is like falling into the abyss at this point like he's he's relishing the hate that's coming out of the news agencies about him um and you get the sense that he would he would prefer if the culture actually just came in and nuked the whole place um so yeah, yeah, bad shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's 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 on to the next round, which is um, a bit of a change in scene because it's held on this uh, what they call the fire planet, some some sort of planet where um, it's like the, where the final rounds will take place. It's got this bizarre kind of um, environment where like it's all ocean except for the equator, which is all land. Like it's a strip of land all the way around the equator, and. There's a, like, bushfire that moves from east to west all the time and, like, burns a front of vegetation and leaves behind it ash. And it takes a couple of years to make a cycle of the planet so that by the time it gets around again, everything's regrown. Um, and then it's pretty it's pretty fun. And then there's, like, a 12-year cycle where these weird cinder trees grow. And, like, at the end of the 12 years, they, like, have, like, I don't know, like coconuts made of napalm or something <laughs> where where yeah. everything catches fire like um and so th this the the point is that the this this society azad is keyed to this uh, rhythm um where this 12 year cycle is where the the new emperor is decided through the games and um so where, where they're headed for is this fortified castle um where um the last rounds we played out and then It'll be timed so that this giant conflagration where all the napalm trees catch fire will happen, and then afterwards the new emperor will emerge like a phoenix, essentially. Um, so very intricate, right? Like this is this is these guys are not fucking around when it comes to 
um, putting <laughs> together this elaborate mythology for their whole society to be structured by. Yeah, like, it feels like the winner uh, achieves apotheosis, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, at this point, like, Gerga's being pressured to drop out and all this kind of stuff. Like, there's a lot of uh, political chicanery happening here. He's resisting, like, he's saying, ah, oh, well, I'll, I'll keep playing. I'm not going to take the offer to just bow out. Like, people are concerned that this will actually destabilize the society. There's a sense in which, like, his his um, cockiness in the political arena is mirrored in his... Um, uh, proficiency in the game, right? Like that he he is in fact getting better at navigating because like he's he's going toe to toe with like not in the game sense, but in the sort of like conversational sense, he's going up against like high ranking officials of this society and holding his own in conversation and like navigating to some extent these these political situations. Um, yeah, is there much we need to sort of say about this stay on this planet? Um, until we get to the kind of climax. I guess one of them is that um, he receives a video from home where um, his drone buddy back home has, like, received a package. Or, no, it, like, there's been a package delivered to Gerga's house at home, and he's getting this thing where the package is the carcass of Morin's skull. Like, it's just this, it's empty shell, like, and the, the, the mind core has been hollowed out. So it's like, the, the drone guy is like, what the, f- the fuck happened here? Like, did... Did he die, or did he, like, change into a different form or something? Um, and also, why did they send you his dead body when this drone carcass just shows yeah. up on the doorstep? It's uh, pretty weird. Yeah, um, yeah, I, that was weird. I thought maybe they were, like, trying to ease his mind a little bit, like, um, one less thing to worry about or something, because he was pretty stressed out initially about what would happen uh like he he sensed that the the drone was disturbed and then is integrated anyway so it was strange like i was like are they trying to make him feel better and they're just weird at it or what is the point of that yeah i think maybe it also could be a bit of a like a a bit of a practical joke you know mm. that like well, given what happens later in the in the book, right? Like the, there is a certain mischievous char- uh, nature to this character, right? And and, and right, it could like, just be foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, it may just be like, oh, what's going on over here? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I mean, like, so if if Morin Skell uh, got like transferred to another body or something, he could just pretend to be somebody else and come back and plague. Um, Gerga like a fucking ghost like in a different form and it's it's a, it's a taunting sort of gesture in a way um or at least it seems that way at the moment um so um i think the next sort of major real plot point is that there's another attempt on his life and um at this rather horrid hunt where out out in these trees they've rounded up all these animals and they're just shooting the shit out of them essentially um it's 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 all sort of barbaric and horrible Gerga's kind of into it um a guy wearing a sort of exoskeleton, like the exoskeleton flips out and, you know, autonomously tries to kill Gerga, which is actually a really cool scene. Um, the guy in the guy in the exoskeleton is trying to resist, but then like Gerga shoots him in the face and like that makes the exoskeleton more, effect- more effective because it doesn't have the guy struggling <laughs> to, to contend with so it can move faster, um, which is all very good fun. Um, there's, there's actually a really good um, short story that Banks wrote later because uh, there's a there's a book in the series that's just 
just a collection of short stories. It's also the one with the Thatcher thing in it. And uh, there's a there's a really good story in there about uh, just a guy and his exoskeleton. Um, and uh, you should you should I would definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, um, I forgot what the name of the the book is, but uh, yeah, you can totally look it up. Um, yeah, just one just a really nice little short mm. story. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we'll have to we'll see if we can figure that one out for the show notes. Um, I'm sure, it can't be that hard to to get it from the wikis. Um, but like, so this. Um, this uh, this attack seems to have been orchestrated by this guy Hammond, who was the guy who was trying to convince him to drop out. Um, again, Hammond believed he was em- acting in the emperor's best interests, which kind of uh, I found very interesting because, like, the the structure of the empire is this sort of like obviously obviously hierarchical, but there's these like recursive s- circles of power. There's it, it's a recursive set of interiors, and like. This is a person who is maybe five or six recursions away from the emperor and believes that he is acting in the emperor's best interest. Like, he, he, he thinks he's inside the inner circle, but he's not, right? Like, his interests actually differ. His perception of the emperor's interests actually differ from their real interests. And it, it seems that as Gurkha gets closer and closer to the actual seat of power, more and more layers of abstraction fall away, and he starts to see the much more authentic... Um, interests of this inner core of of powerful beings. Um, contrast that with, as we were saying, the the rhizomatic and distributed web like nature of the culture. Right, like they're they could not be more different societies. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, you if you if you talk to somebody in contact, well, you're just talking to the person in contact, right? There's no like inner circle of contact. There's just contact. Any anybody you talk to there is 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 that's the surface, right? Like there, there is, there is no deep core. Yeah. It's, it's all surface and the center is everywhere. Like it's, it's, um, it's highly distributed and like contact is all just personal, uh, relations. Like it's, it's a buddy network. Um, it's not, there isn't, there isn't a core to it. It's just like, Oh, I, I know a guy, you know, and Ooh, yeah, I've, I've worked with John, you know, he's cool. That kind of shit. Um, yeah, like they, they simply could not be more different societies. Um, but um, predictably, uh, Gerga ends up in a position where he's taking on the emperor uh, himself, Nikosar. Um, and it's an interesting game, right? Because um, Gerga, like, obviously Nikosar is a really good player, and Gerga starts out struggling, and he, he sort of thinks there's, there's, there's something he's missing. There's some dimension to this he can't quite get, his, get a handle on. Um, and in, in a break, he sort of chats with the drone about... Um, the, the drone is, for some reason, looking at, like... Um, like physics textbooks, like models of reality and stuff, and ultra space and this kind of thing. Um, Gerga's a dumbass. He, he didn't really go to school or anything, like so he, he doesn't really know any of this sort of stuff, but they, they chat over it. And it seems to um, give him some sort of tiny insight into what might be going on here. And he realizes that the hidden dimension to all of this is that Nikasar is playing as the Empire. Like, the way he plays... There's another layer of recursion to this, where not only does the logic of the game reflect the Empire, but he is pl- he is role-playing as the Empire in the game. Um, and Gerga realizes that his play style is implicitly playing role-playing as the culture, which is why his style is so alien, and like nobody can get a grip on it, um, because it is just completely contrary to what this other play style is. So you have finally this clash, uh, explicit clash, where, you know... Gerga understands exactly which two forces are really being opposed on the table. 
Yeah, and and that uh, the emperor also realizes this, and his his intention is to destroy the allegory of the culture if he can within by destroying Gerga. There are like whole worldview and like methodology and 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 civilization is kind of on the line here, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so like, um, Gerga takes on a sort of style then of like, once he realizes this, he takes on a style of like playing, playing the culture as an offensive force, like an imperial culture almost, which is interesting in that it mirrors the, the exact fear of the contact people that like, if they were to intervene with the empire, they would end up in an aggressive, um, stance and, uh, and come in as an occupying force. Gerga actually has to take up that stance here in the uh, inside the game to um to make any headway against the emperor. Yeah, and he like also has to um like he when when he realizes this, he has to make a decision about what is most important to him and it becomes the game, right? Like whereas earlier on, he didn't have that kind of thirst to, to win. Now he has like more of the qualities of the empire and can't really stop. Like he almost doesn't even consider it. He just is like, what's my angle to get at this win now? Right. Whereas everybody else is like, yo, you should probably stop because things are going to go down. And he's like, I'm winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he goes off the deep end properly here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, this kind of echoes what happens in the the first book as well, right? In Consider Flebus, where the culture has to militarize to fight the Iridians, and like there's this talk in the beginning of this book about how like oh a lot of these warships were like decommissioned after the war of the Iridians and stuff like that, right? So there's this this kind of like back and forth tension between aggression and passivity that contact is always wrestling with. And like that, that is where like Gerga is like thrown into in this match. Yeah. He has to, he has to, it's that whole like old adage of to beat the enemy, you must become the enemy, that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, very much so. Yeah. It's, um, that's the theme that's running through, through all of this. Um, there's an interesting bit here where, um, it's just it's just before a break in the play where um, Gerga sort of realizes that he he can't win or he he sees the outcome, but he also sees that Nikasar doesn't like the emperor doesn't, which means I think that like Gerga has reached a point where he is more of an expert in this game than anyone, including the current champion. That he he can see the play in a way that nobody else in the room can, which is interesting because like because he. Mm-hmm. Well, because he can see from both perspectives now. He can see it uh, via the culture as well as the Empire, whereas Nikasar can only see the Empire, so he's kind of half-blinded. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess then the, the final sort of session um, kicks off in this, like, bloody cascade of violence where um, basically the, the Emperor stages what, like, a, a sort of a mad coup, essentially, with the intention of preventing... Gerga from from winning the it's it's all sort of rigged up in such a way that like um obviously the 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 the, the line of fire and the flames in the in the trees is approaching they, they think it's about two hours away but then it's much closer because they've they've artificially you know the um the imperial guard have artificially started another another um fire closer to the place so it's just this really chaotic sort of scene of like the imperial guard firing into the crowd and all this sort of stuff just trying to trying to trying to 
stop this thing, this person from winning. Um, uh, Nikasar is eventually killed by the drone, Fleur uh, M. Saho. And, um, you know, our, our guy Gerga blacks out, and when he wakes up, uh, the drone gives him this, this rundown that it was all a huge special circumstances operation all along. Um, he's not actually, what? yeah, should have seen this coming, right? Um, he's not actually who he claims to be. He's actually a combat drone from special circumstances. And this was a ploy to collapse the empire um, by discrediting the central institution of that empire. It- and there is a line that the drone who is sent to him from special circumstances says just before he leaves about, like, well, it sure would be nice to destroy that empire, but of course we would never do that. No. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, they're, they're always kind of, like, playing at, like, what they're actually after here, right? Yeah. I felt like a bit of a mug at the end here. Like I, 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 I sort of didn't see it coming because I, I was, I was playing along with the line that was given by those special circumstances people. That like, I, I thought there was going to be a slightly different ending, but no, no, it just turns out it is. It was one huge CIA op all along. Um, yeah, fun. Yeah, that seems to be Banks. <laughs> but uh, the thing that I liked about the ending a lot too was though, like Gurga isn't over completely over to their side because he still doesn't see Nikosar's uh, plan coming to fruition despite the mm. idea that he's better at the game and right. what he's doing is a, a move from the game essentially in real life like he Gerga would never practice the actual things uh, like the moves of Azad in real life whereas Nikosar does actively and that's why he is the emperor and so he he doesn't see the move coming in real life, even though he should have. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, it's telegraphed pretty obviously, right? Like, and he, he should see it coming a mile off, but he doesn't because, like, he. But there's a there's a there's a great parallel there, though, right? Where Gerga also gets played because he is a player of games, but special circumstances is playing a bigger game than he can conceptualize because he's just interested in board games and stuff but they're playing a large political game in a similar way to, like, Nikosar is, right? Right, um, exactly. And also the the idea behind, like, um, like his, his victory when he sees it, remember? Mm-hmm. And, like, Nikosar's, like, oh, I don't see it. But he specifically says he only has two options now. And one of them is exactly what he ends up doing, right? In in real life, not in the game. So so he does see what's coming, but he's still mm-hmm. blind to it. Yeah, Gurga is certainly good. a naive character, right? Like, he's he's not oh, yeah. clued in to... Uh, even at his the peak of his abilities, he's still very blind to the actual operations of this this um, this society and is, is blindsided by something that should have been very obvious. Um, yeah, because, like, they, they, they do entertain the possibility of just evacuating before before bothering to do the... The, uh, the 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 last session, but then he goes, nah, you know, I'll I'll still do it, and then like it's 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 just so obvious that what's going to happen. Um, crucially, as well, like uh, throughout the story, uh, Gerga has been kept in the dark about a couple of details about the interaction between the culture and the empire. One of them here is that um, 
the highest ranking officials in the empire are actually aware of the um, full extent of the culture. And so, but also prior to this last session, uh, the emperor had been briefed that uh, by the drone, been briefed that Gerga was in fact the culture's champion and was here to destroy them. And it, the, everyone's being played played against everyone. Um, it's yeah, it's this really fantastic, like recursive game playing that's going on with the um, the minds of the of the special circumstances unit being the the actual players who are doing all of this. Um, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And also the also the ship that was supposed to be disarmed actually armed. is not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the only thing that was true is like how fast the ship would get there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. about it. <laughs> well, and and it, it's also a thing where like special circumstances has introduced this knowledge to the upper echelons of the um, Azad, right? Because. They know that this this fear and paranoia they have because they're so obsessed with domination and control um, will drive their city or their civilization to destruction, especially when they have the pressure of Gerga showing up. Right. Like it, it, it like it makes them scared of like, oh, he must be so great because he's from this amazing culture. But also they realize how insignificant they are, but they can't tell anybody because they're they're just trying to keep this this system of domination uh, going, and um, the ambassador Zah was the one who engineered that attack on him along with the yeah, drone, right, yeah. to make it seem like that as well. And when he, when he was on the ship, he was like, "Well, I never saw any guns," and they were like, "Yeah, as you walked, we just rotated the hull." <laughs> yeah, it's like this really cool machine where he's like, he's inspecting all the yeah. cavities in the ship, but the ship is actually reconfiguring itself as he's walking along to just put him into the same cavity three times. Yeah, they're they're like, "Oh, the ship isn't that smart. Like, don't worry about it." But like, yeah, uh, yeah, no, he he got completely played. Um, and, and yeah, even like the blackmail at the beginning, like that is such a standard, uh, like, you know, spy work maneuver yeah. to like play to people's pride and then, and then just be like, oh, I got you. But yeah, like, you got handled. <laughs> so, I mean, to finish that one off though, like, um, so like from, from the ashes of this, uh, burnt castle, uh, they just leave. They just get up and go and fly home. Um, yeah, Gerga stays in cryostasis for the whole journey home, you know, meets his friends, all this kind of shit. Um, the narrator gives us the outro, and it turns out that the narrator was uh, Flarim Saho, who is Morin Skell. Even the entire blackmail plot was a fucking ruse. Um, because, like, the Mor- Morin Skell, in quotes, uh, accompanied him on this entire fucking trip as, as Fleur and Saho. The, tr- the trick is, uh, Fleur is a very small drone, and the whole thing is like, well, if he'd bothered to inspect the carcass of Morin Skell, he would have realized that it fits perfectly into the cavity where Morin's mind, in quotes, would have been. You know, so it's just like, Morin just popped his yeah. brain out and flew around, <laughs> you know, to, like... Um, <laughs> So, you know, playing playing a very long game. There's also, like, um, a question of, like, has has Gerga been raised for this purpose, essentially? Um, Because, like, Morin Skell has been friends with him for a while. Uh, That is a long fucking game to play if you're keeping up that ruse. 
Um, there's a yeah, there's a chance that he was actually engineered for this position. Like they 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 cultivated him as the best game player ever over the course of seventy years to just flatten this fucking empire for them. <laughs> Yeah, because they know they 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 go into some detail, not a bit, but uh, some detail about how um, one of his friends back home switched sexes a couple times, had a child, and she was currently picking out the gene code. You know, like like oh, I think my you know my kid's gonna be really good at X and Y and Z and yeah. stuff like that. So I think that's like another head nod to like maybe Gurga. They were just like, okay, who? pumped out a baby that would be really good at being like addicted to games and good at like all this kind of stuff who knows what the time span of their their work is yeah which is another cyberpunk omnipresence puppeteering stuff thing mm. i mean like chamless could be in on us like his 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 other drone buddy yeah. like anyone anyone yeah. could realistically be in on this um yeah really cool uh, cool story <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting thing about like to what extent like Morin is actually as bloodthirsty as he makes himself seem earlier in the story. I think that seems like an act. Yeah, it seems too cartoonish to be real. Well, oh, like, yeah. but he did kill the emperor, right? Eh, yeah, I suppose. Well, and we should we should say too that uh, on his like briefing back or whatever right there he was like so whatever happened to them they they were like oh they their society imploded of course right which is kind of like i mean how much better is it to well i don't know it's very imperialistic in this in that sense but like how much better is it to do that to a society than to like go to war with them and obviously they were worried in going to war with them it would change the culture in the same way that these the misfits of uh, uh, the people that like uh, puppeteered him have become changed. They were worried that all of their society might be changed by doing war with them. So it's like, yeah, it's a, it's about limiting damage, right? Limiting blowback. Yeah, it's very morally gray slash bad, at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very much yeah. so. To raise somebody for their whole life just to do this op is pretty rough and there's there is that line that morin skell has like where he says that like the faster you think the slower time moves and i think very fast indeed like that <laughs> that like sort of like brings and home how like the 70 year op must have been just glacial for somebody like yeah. that yeah it is very sinister because it gives he you was them, pretty pissed it off. gives you a glimpse at how just how powerful the minds are and like it, yeah. It's it's that theme of like, you know what? Life in the culture is is pretty fucking excellent for the um, the organic and and inorganic beings alike that inhabit it. However, there is this very odd sort of conspiracy at the heart of it that is kind of distasteful, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Well, and there's also an allusion to the idea that Gurga is. Uh, different in that he's one of the only people that doesn't consider uh, swapping his sex mm -hmm, ever. Right. He's very possessive of other people. Yep. And I can't remember, I don't know if you guys do, do you remember if at the end of the book, when they give the epilogue, yada, 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 eventually he died, did he uh, end up changing his sex? Like, was that a... 
a, a plot point of being like, and he changed, and now he's not so possessive and shitty. I, th- I and think stuff he's like still that, referred or? to as a he at that point. Uh, I can actually look at it. Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, because that was the weird thing too. Like even other people, his friends were like, "You're mm. weird, Gerga. Like, why don't? Why wouldn't you want to experience the other sex?" Yeah, he's a he's a stick in the mud, you know, for not for not doing that. Um, no, he he's a he at the end. Um, yeah. Okay, so didn't change that much. Well, or didn't use that to telegraph it yeah, anyway. <laughs> certainly. Who knows? <laughs> there is, I think there is a sense, like, you, you don't actually get a lot out of the last couple of chapters, the last chapter or two. Um, he just sort of sees his buddies again and is a little bit emo about it, sort of, but doesn't show it a whole lot, you know? Um, uh, but, I mean, no, his his relationship with EA, uh, his other, his lady buddy, changes um, in such a way that implies that he's, he's improved as a person uh, from the experience. Um, but that... In total, his purpose is done, and then he goes to be dead, right? Like, he chooses to die soon after, basically. Which is, yeah, I think points to, again, how the culture is, like, not the best. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty crass, you know, and that's uh, in the sort of way... It's, I, I, it, it leaves you wondering how prevalent all this sort of stuff is. Like, that um, our, our special circumstances just, like, fucking with everyone are, are the minds like playing games with everyone or is it that by and large the average citizen just sort of lives three or four hundred years just like high as a kite and like eating nice things and just sort of wandering about in meadows and is is just sort of well looked after and very occasionally they do have to intervene to like set up this kind of weird shit to um to get things done or maybe it's more prevalent i don't know I, I think that the, the 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 idea of playing games with everyone is probably pretty apt because the impression you definitely get in like reading Accession is that the minds can be pretty serious about things, but they're also very goofy, right? Like they 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 are very playful, um, and they. Yeah, like, I just keep coming back to the analogy that basically people are, like, pets to them. Like, they don't, they don't, like, consider them, like, meat or for the, for the grinder or something. It's more just like, oh, like, aren't they cute? Like, and like, like, oh, we like having them around, you know, like, and so, yeah, they play with their pets, you know, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it works. Yeah, I was thinking as well that, like, um, the, the culture is obviously a sort of, culture of minds but also of like just colossal bodies that like these these minds inhabit bodies the size of like space stations and like ring worlds and this sort of stuff and that like what what must that subjectivity be like to um have millions of these lice essentially living on your body and talking to them all the time <laughs> you know um cuz like he the gerga converses with the um the mind of the um uh, he he converses with the mind of the world he lives on the the ring world and also with like sub facets of it it's like when you you call a support hotline and you get through to the 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 frontline operator and then they patch you through to the real one or whatever and it's like oh boy like a from the from the perspective of the minds, what must that be like? You know, that that kind of subjectivity must be kind of incredible. Just being, imagine being the size of a world, like just this gigantic swole dude who has like all these little pets living on him. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I I I really liked that um, it 
like interrogates a little bit uh, how we think about technology, I think, especially in 1988, right, before things got really moving. It, it's kind of like uh, also saying that Izzad and other games and stuff are technology that repurpose our minds and the way that we interact with things shapes things more than we know and feel, basically. Like, So it was really interesting. And then four years later, Snow Crash comes out, right, and is the whole, like, knowledge is a virus, Tower of Babel, that kind of stuff. So it's interesting that... Uh, I think it's far more effective detailing it in this book because uh, it's such a grander way of showing it and, and like telegraphing that to the audience in that his entire way of interacting with the game changes as well as he consumes the culture, right? It, it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's it's like the centerpiece, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting that, uh, like, I even looked to see if anyone was categorizing the book as cyberpunk and nobody had been. And it's, it's weird cause it's dead center in first wave cyberpunk too. Right. So I think it's just interesting that, uh, the thing, the only thing that really separates it is the aesthetic of no cyberpunk neon. that isn't really, <laughs> yeah. The, well, well, and it kind yeah, of like all of, <laughs> yeah, it, it does show up. It, it's even there in that. It's just that, uh, the characters and um, how overt it is in cyberpunk isn't present in this, but yet this is kind of a better way of explaining some of the larger concepts of cyberpunk in a space opera, which, yeah, I thought it was really neat. Yeah, that, that is that is super cool. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because it is coming out of a similar time with just a different approach that didn't necessarily get uh, developed as much as cyberpunk, didn't blow up as much as cyberpunk. Um, yeah, but, you know, maybe worth revisiting. Um, and, and yeah, and, like, I, I think, you know, I just come back to that point about, like, this is a book as you said, that sort of really engages with these ideas of like technology and, 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 and language and games as, as like structures and systems that change who we are and manipulate our social reality and has all this social critique about capitalism and, you know, misogyny, imperialism. And it's like the bunch of the tech bros they read these books and it's just nothing. <laughs> just cool robots. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, co- cool robots, small space stations, uh, sexy times, lots of drugs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all the, great. It's the people that say that cyberpunk isn't political. <laughs> right? right. Totally, 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 totally. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just... Yeah, like, because, you know, Banks, or sorry, not Banks, uh, it's a total mix-up. Like, Elon Musk, like, named his rockets after culture <laughs> oh, stuff, Christ. right? Yeah. Oh, no. Like, like, that's how much this this series was an influence on him. And, like... How? It's oh, just, how could he not fucking just this? missed everything? <laughs> it's... Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it forms a small part of the California ideology, I guess, as it is today. But um, for those of us who actually bother reading the book and what it says, um, we might get something different out of it. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, I, I think it does. 
it, it does present a, a image of the future that is kind of sinister in the sense that, you know, people are very much just like part of these games of these minds. But there's a couple things about the series that do seem still optimistic to me is like, like one, a lot of these minds do actually care about people. And another is like, these minds were made by people at some point, like way in the distant past. And they've kind of like surpassed humanity or they definitely have surpassed humanity and like have like sort of integrated humanity into their structures and their lives but it's not the Terminator scenario, right? Like, it's not, it's not. oh, the machines showed up and then they killed us all, right? Like yeah, it, it's not, this is peak technophobia in 88. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, He's yeah. all like, but maybe this is cool, actually. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my sort of maybe theory on that is that, like, for the minds, like, they live in such, like, material abundance that... There's really nothing they could get in terms of exploitation by by like actually exploiting the sort of living beings, except for this case where they can get some sociopolitical or geopolitical or whatever galaxy political outcome from fucking them over. But like ordinarily, like what what could what could you as a human being offer to a mind in terms of exploitation that they would ever want? You know? Um, yeah. They have to. They have to gamify people. <laughs> yeah, but like they, they can they can manipulate matter like at a fundamental level. They can they can manipulate quantum mechanics. Like I don't think there's anything you can they can extract from a person that is of any value to them, except for companionship or some higher ideal of like um, post-human humanism or whatever. Um, so I think that's maybe a factor. It is. It is certainly still sinister, though. Like there is sinister undertones to this, but um, I'm in agreement that it it remains overall optimistic. Um, yeah, I think so. Is it? Um, is it? Do, do we know? Uh, maybe Kyle knows from reading all the books. Do we know if the culture people originally made the mines or? Uh, it's kept fairly vague, but yeah, that's kind of the, the implication is that like the creation of the minds was sort of a part of a very long process of like self social engineering, like that, like, you know, basically they, they had like a, they had like a progressive vision in mind and like they started like hacking their language and hacking their machines and all that kind of thing to gradually realize the sorts of societies and sorts of people they wanted to become. Um, and then and, yeah. started giving more and more uh, power and agency to until they had, you know, yeah, until it, yeah. Yeah, but, but like it's it's also like important to remember that like the minds were hacked in the same language that they were engineering to create, like to recreate themselves, like literally at a physical level, right? So like it's it's like the the process definitely outstripped the people, but like the the like the development of the people and the development of the minds were kind of coextensive with each other. They're all part of this this long process of like evolution and like metamorphosis. Uh, yeah, that's cool shit. Yeah, um, is there anything else we need to cover? Uh, I guess there's one thing I would say that like is kind of like this is a just to re revisit the topic, but uh, 
that is is kind of sinister about the culture that I think is is worth mentioning is that like um, there's definitely a certain amount of like ableism that is in the culture and where like they say like that the as part of their like genetic engineering they've like removed all possibility of being like crippled or of having birth defects or like of any any kind of like um, any kind of disability right. And I know, like, that especially if you are somebody who has this as a fact your life, like, the idea that, like, people like you in the future are just going to be erased from existence <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is a little bit sinister, uh -huh. right? So, like, I know Banks was very much coming at it from, like, a sort of, like, trying to portray it in a positive light, but that's a big blind spot of science fiction that I think this, this book also definitely, like, falls into, so just well, thought I'd bring it's, that up. It's prevalent in male authors, I think, too, right, who don't get, uh, like, embodiment issues at all, right? Like, like for the male, just like in cyberpunk, the, the best thing, like, the ultimate thing is to jack into something and lose your body whereas for women they under they they understand embodiment in a much different lens than males right they give birth they they it's usually in cyberpunk fiction no female protagonist is going to be like oh shit my arm got chopped off and now i have a cybernetic limb but uh doesn't matter uh, this one's better or whatever right whereas the male protagonists are always like that they're just like i'm even better i can turn this into taking out the corporation and uh, i couldn't do that with my meat arm right like meat space is sucky and so i i think it's just a prevailing kind of male authorship problem in sci-fi yeah, and I mean, I think, I think this, this definitely gets back to the stuff we talked about in the Xenofeminist Manifesto episode, right? Like that, like yeah, we don't don't want to really make appeal to appeals to like women's nature as like oh like they must or like like oh yeah like the the female embodiment embodied experience is what defines being female, but definitely it's it it is the case that like in the fiction. Like that is a that is that is a divide that exists, right? Like that. Yeah, the, it's a it's a through line that I think a gender studies person could tackle. But for me, it's just I notice male authors don't handle embodiment well, and female generally do. Mm -hmm, That's all mm -hmm. I can speak to intelligently and, about. Yeah, it. and I mean that 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 is like definitely a part of like that whole like Californian ideology and everything we talked about in the past of like transcending the flesh and that kind of stuff whereas you can think about like in you know somewhat different ways than perhaps like you know eliminating all uh physical disabilities um about like biohacking and and that that kind of thing which is like you know treating this kind of like cyberpunky topics in an embodied way so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions. This is a very old book, but it is it is worth reading. It is worth talking about. Yeah, it is. It is approximately one thousand percent better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, don't don't bother with that first one. Um, yeah, I, th I think there's, um, there's a review for the back of the cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the gist. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think I, I don't know if we mentioned it on the episode or was it in the green room, but like maybe yeah, this this one's a good intro to the series in general, and then maybe after that accession, um, yeah, uh, real real good stuff. Um, yeah, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of other books in the series that are just kind of weird, which are also worth reading. But if you want to get like, what is the culture? Player of games in accession are, are good ones to touch on. Yeah, fun. Uh, we might get around to an accession episode someday. Um, it'd be a fun, fun distraction. Oh yeah, um, no, I plan on it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's worth looking yeah. at. Uh, so yeah, thanks listeners for uh, entertaining us on this one. Um, and if you'd like to keep keep up with us in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at GIUnitPod. We're on Facebook as General Intellect Unit. And you can find us on all the podcast apps, you know, the um, like, rate, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. And um, if you've been enjoying the show, maybe think of going to patreon.com slash generalintellectunit to throw us a couple of bucks a month and to, you know, pay for books and hosting costs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, Fraser, um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, we, we, we tend to give the guest the last word. Oh, um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Fraser Simons and pretty much everywhere at Fraser Simons. I publish a lot of, well, maybe not a lot, but I publish a few uh, role-playing games, mainly in the cyberpunk genre. So you can find those. I do a blog called Consuming Cyberpunk that's, you guessed it, all about cyberpunk. And... I think that's about it. If you if you like tabletop games, you you'll probably like my my feed. Yeah, <laughs> fabulous. Um, so yeah, thanks again, listeners, and we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks with oh I don't know some nonfiction stuff. Thanks for listening again, and bye bye. Bye. Bye.